Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. People used to sing, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And for the Christian, love is a word that goes deeper than some of the ways people sing about love because the word describes God. So what can we learn about love from the man who described himself as the disciple that Jesus loved? Well, we're turning our attention to the person who wrote what some describe as the most loved book of the Bible. He wrote a number of books in the New Testament. He's the one who told us this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. One of the nation's best loved authors, Cole Stringer, is joining us to talk about his latest book where he has a focus on the Apostle John. His new book is called John, From the Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love. Cole Stringer's written about 40 books. In fact, I think it's more than 40 books among Australia's best-selling authors. And joining us through this coming hour, Cole Stringer, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. How are you this morning? It's a rainy day. It's a rainy day, and uh, it's rainy in lots of places, and I'm sure uh, in the West it's probably fine, but uh, yes, and I'm very well, thank you very much. Hey, congratulations on a new book. You seem to be able to pump these books out left, right, and centre. You must be busy in your study, uh, writing constantly all sorts of different issues. Some of these, Cole, just as we get things underway, you're a preacher of God's Word, so when you're in the study and you're waiting on God, you're preparing, you're, you're, you're looking at the resources you've gleaned over decades, some of this becomes books for you. Well, would you believe, uh, Neil, honestly, I didn't want to write this book. Right. I, I just did. I, and the Lord actually woke me up in the middle of the night. It's almost like he came into my room. Uh, and uh, I've been studying John for months. You know, I've been preaching about it. But I just finished the book and um, I... I've, and the Lord said, I want you to write a book. And I said, uh, actually, I, did, I didn't say anything. I just kept quiet. I thought, well, maybe you'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he spoke to me again. And I said, uh, no, I, I'm tired. And the Lord said, you're not tired. You're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> in actual fact, you've recorded that conversation with God yeah. in your book. Yeah, I did. And uh, you rolled over to check with your wife, Jan, and uh, she was fast asleep, so you couldn't argue with her. So, uh, yes, so interesting, isn't it, that when you have uh, a conversation with God, and some people are saying, well, is that just something that happens in your mind? Uh, But, you know, you know that as a believer, when you've been a believer for a long time, you can have a conversation with God, and he can impress upon you, and even in words that are ringing in your mind, uh, his will and desire for you and you've had that experience in the writing this book well sadly as you know Neil though once you put something in writing you set yourself up definitely because there's people out there that no matter what you write or what you say (laughs) know better or want to have a shot at you or whatever and that you know I I, I was really just tired I I don't want to do this and you know I'm I guess it's all right for you other people, but I didn't want to do it. I'm just being honest. You know, some people do, 
And I just thought, well, I don't want to do this. You know, there must be other people. And I actually said, Lord, this is the end of the pandemic. Uh, get one of those big television evangelists. They've got all the money now, you know, and because after the lockdown, most of our supporters had stopped supporting us. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just being honest. And Get yeah. one of those big television evangelists with all the money now. Let them write it, you know. But I, I think because I'd spent so much time studying John and – what an awesome man. I mean, I mean, he wrote more of the New Testament than anybody but Paul. Uh, you know, but of the 66 books of the Bible, the Gospel of John is the most loved. The most loved. Yes, most loved. And the book that talks a lot about love. And so as the apostle, and, uh, you know, lots of listeners will be familiar with the story of the disciples, the apostles, and uh, John, the one there, even at the Last Supper, leaning in against the chest of Jesus because he's the beloved That's disciple, the, the disciple posi- Jesus loved. The position of of honour. I mean, Peter's up the other end of the table, the one that shoots his mouth off about everything. You know, uh, I'll be there till the end. If it costs me my life, you can rely on the big Pete. Hello. But see, he operates out of phileo love, friendly love. You love me, I love you. But John operates out of agape love, and there's a vast difference between agape love and phileo love. I mean, John is, you know, the alpha male. You know, he's got to be involved and do everything and front up and big note himself. And <laughs> he's the first to quit. He's the first to quit. You're talking Peter here. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, did I say yeah, John? You did, you did say John, I, I, but sorry, that's all right. I mean, you I mean Peter. Peter. I mean yeah, Peter. That's it. Well, take, take the cross. The only man left is John. The others have all gone. Well, where's all the other big note and big, you know, the big Pete that I'll be with you even if it costs me my life? Yeah, right. He's gone, run away. A little Jewish teenage girl's got his measure. And John is at the... Now, think about this. I mean, they're crucifying Christ. They could have crucified John too. They could have grabbed him and locked him up. So, But here's this man, and, and you, you think about this. Jesus looks down, those great big brown eyes looking from the cross. And if I was the Lord, I'd be thinking, well, hang on. We started off, I think, with 120, and now we're down to 70. From 70, we get down to 12, the inner circle. From the inner circle, we get down to three, Peter, James, and John. But when the crunch comes, the only one that stays faithful is John. So there's John at the cross, and uh, whether it's because he's the last man standing or whether it's because he is this beloved disciple, apostle, uh, that Jesus even entrusts his mother to the care of John. Yeah, well, you think about this. John's, uh, I mean, uh, Jesus' siblings are there. His family, why not commit the mother to to the family, the siblings? He doesn't. He commits it to the man that's the most faithful. And when I first read, you know, it, it struck me years ago, John writes about, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Like all the others identify themselves. He calls himself, he doesn't even identify as John. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, uh, the first thing I thought, well, the, what I get out of that, that that would get up my nose because the implication is he doesn't love anybody else. <laughs> but that's not it at all. He's got a revelation of how much God loves him. It's called grace. It's called agape love, unconditional love. Really, he's the only one that has that. Now, think about this. He's the only disciple whom doesn't die a martyr's death. 
And we'll get to talk about that and we'll talk some more. And there's lots of scripture through the Gospel of John where John is reflecting on this word love. Mm. Uh, But let's just come back to where we're at in 21st century here, Colin. I mentioned a couple of things there in the introduction. You know, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Uh, You know, uh, the Beatles sang, you know, love is all you need. And um, um, love today is so miscommunicated. Uh, it's used by lobby groups uh, to describe a different sort of love than the type of love we're talking about today that's out of the Gospel of John. Yes. Uh, love's got a, a different feel to about it when you, when, you, when you talk to people about that in the 21st century. But there's different Greek words for love. Eros, erotic love, phileo, storgio, agape. What, what, what do we see English, which you say love. Well, what do you really mean? Uh, you know... John, I believe, is the only one that has that revelation of agape love. And love never fails. Agape love never fails. And it, it, it takes him, I believe he lived to be over 100, 103 years of age. So he served the Lord almost 90 years of his life. Now you think about that in today, in a world that's full of fear and hopelessness and depression and loneliness and economic stress, election disappointments, uh, you know, divided church. Here's a man that went through all of this. They tried to kill him. They couldn't kill the man. They banished him to the Alcatraz of the time. And he still bounces back because love never fails. But that, that love is agape love. Well, you, you think about this, Neil, in today's – and I, I'm not criticizing. I'm only observing. But it's all about me and I and me. It's all about self-love now, selfish love, you know. Even in the church, it's a lot about manipulate, push, shove, whatever, you know, put yourself up there and, uh, you know, but John is the only one in here. And, and think about it. He goes from the Son of Thunder. Remember where uh, they they get ticked off because of the way Jesus is being treated. So they say, well, shall I call fire down on these people? So in other words, it's okay to burn people up if they tick you off. And Jesus says, you don't even know what spirit that you're of and calls them the Sons of Thunder. That's not a compliment, by the way. What would it take, and I'm thinking about when I wrote the book, what would it take to go from the Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love? Now, you're going to need more than behavior modification. You're going to need a genuine heart transformation from a Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love. I wonder if uh, we might see ourselves, some listeners, uh, see ourselves a little bit like uh, John, the son of thunder, because, as you say, James and John and uh, saying to Jesus, hey, can we call down uh, lightning and uh, <laughs> and uh, destroy, uh, you know, destroy those who are coming against you? Because there is a streak of aggression in John. And so when we talk in transformation to be the apostle of love, uh, aggression, I mean, aggression can be used for a bad purpose. Uh, no doubt uh, there is that sort of, you know, tough-mindedness that you might say can be used for a good purpose too. So I wonder if some of the character personality traits that were there in the aggression shaped in that transformation were a part of who he became as this great apostle into his older years. Well, the way I see it anyway, if you look at the the gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's what's called the synoptic gospels. They're similar gospels, similar. They're written from a Jewish perspective, okay, 
and uh, they're written maybe 18 months after Jesus' death. John's is written at the end of his life, 60, 65 years later. It's entirely different. I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying it's different to all the other Gospels. Uh, You know, he's the only one that writes, he says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, he introduces that. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So obviously he has this revelation. Let, let, Let me read here what he writes in 1 John. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love, agape love, doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love, doesn't have it, doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So if you don't know him, you really don't know love. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Cole Stringer. Cole's got a new book out. It's called John from the Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love. Uh, Cole, let me ask you about uh, early days, first century. Uh, this was rather uh, a rather aggressive environment that the early church was born into. Definitely. Uh, where the apostles, and as you say, John, uh, little longevity there, lived basically through that first century and all of the persecution that came upon the early church. Mm. Today in Australia, we're a little fearful of getting cancelled. There's cancel culture. Yes. Uh, in those days, first century, it was a little more than cancel culture. It was, uh, we'll wipe you out. That's right. And so John went through his own persecution issues. That's right. Can, can I just mention this? Uh, in, during the break, I was looking at this. But John uses the term love 82 times in his writing. Mm. That's three times more than the other three Gospels combined. 82 times. It's obvious along the way that he's got a revelation of that love. Uh, you were talking about, you know, uh, uh, the mission and the boiling in oil. Well, what's the story? Well, the life of John. He was already an old man. He was in Ephesus, and uh, you know, the mission. The Roman emperor was really in love with himself, you know, and, and thought he was God. And you had to bow down. Uh, you had to pay tribute. Well, John's not going to do that. And somewhere along the line, somebody must have dobbed him in or whatever. He gets caught. They arrest him. They bring him back to Rome. And this is the last living apostle, you know, the last man that had actually walked with the Lord. So Domitian now thinks that he's going to, he gives him an ultimative, bow your knee or pay the consequence. Well, John says, give it your best shot virtually. So they... Time up in, well, they put him in chains. They take him to the, the Roman Colosseum. If you know anything about ancient Rome, I mean, horrendous, bloodthirsty, you know. And so uh, they take him there, last chance, bow your knee, no. So they, they dip him in boiling oil. Now, you, you imagine, I mean, if you, I mean, you've ever burnt yourself with oil? Cause in, it, A very it, unpleasant it experience. Mm. So Domitian's a mayor, I mean, he's ecstatic. They're going to bring up nothing but but skeletons, and so they bring up, and the man's not touched, n- n- not a mark on him. They do it a second time. Now you imagine, and so scares Domitian that they banish him to Alcatraz. Hello, you know Patmos out there. Patmos was an island with no trees on it. Uh, uh, 
John's a, a political prisoner, which means you get no support, no food, nothing. You've got to find a place to live, so he finds a cave. It's still there today. It's called the Cave of Revelation, and he starts a church there. But you want to talk up for a moment about the boiling and oil. Now, I understand it's not in the Bible. Hey, there's a lot of things that are not in the Bible. But if you go back and you look at you know, Jewish writers of the day, oh, sorry, Christian writers of the day, Tertullian and things like that, he's the one that mentions this. So, you know, it's not something we just made up because it sounds good. You can actually find references to this. So the early church fathers, when they are reflecting on what happened in the first century, and as you say, Tertullian, he's got this uh, writing about uh, the persecution and uh, he's got stories that he tells of those who went through early persecution, and John is one of them. And so he's describing something that we might be familiar with from the Old Testament, uh, Daniel and his three friends. You know, Daniel in the lion's den getting delivered. Uh, You know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace, uh, they're delivered. And here is something that, as you say, it's not in the Bible, Mm. but the early church fathers are talking about John the Apostle being dipped in boiling oil and surviving. Uh, And in actual fact, it's not just once dipped twice that's right that's right would you imagine that the shock that that would bring to the roman emperor and as i say it's amazing the way that this happens because he gets banished to patmos and they think he's going to die on patmos they've they've done their best to kill him but love never fails perfect love the the agape love and so he's there and it's there that the that jesus appears to him and he gets a revelation to write the book of revelation And as you say, Cole, uh, when he's banished to the Isle of Patmos, uh, finds himself a cave to live in, and it's in this cave environment that he has this revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what we read in the book of Revelation today, which is written by the Apostle John. And so I wonder if you've got any thoughts here about the sorts of images that he describes as he's seeing. I mean, uh, this is something more than just someone who is experiencing, you know, a a, a relational love uh, with his uh, fellow apostles and especially with Jesus. Well, here's another key, which I believe, okay? It says... uh, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit. Now, he is one of the few that writes about you know, the Spirit realm. He talks about, uh, in his Gospel, he writes there, I'll send you another comforter, and he'll lead you, and he'll guide you, and he'll show you things to come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So obviously, he has you know, an experience with this because it says, uh, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit. And Jesus appears to him, and he's struck almost like dead. And Jesus says to him, you know, write down the words that I speak to you. It's, a, it's revel- interesting while we're talking about that. It's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. And it's not written about end times. It's written, it's actually a revelation of Jesus Christ. Read it. The first, first verse of chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you don't understand who it's written about, it really even won't make sense, I believe. But after after Patmos, a lot of people think John died on Patmos, but he didn't. He was only there maybe 18 months. To, um, the mission gets assassinated. He gets reprieved. He goes back to Ephesus. The first thing is take care of Jesus' mother because that's what he was told to do. He took care of Jesus' mother for the rest of her life. 
And so back there, and it's interesting because he goes back to the churches that Revelation, remember, you know, Philadelphia, all the other churches, and uh, he's an old man, but hey, he's got the ear of the church. And the book that he writes, uh, the book of Revelation, becomes a bookend mm. to what we now have as the Bible. Now, yeah. we'll know that the canon of the Bible didn't come together till, you know, close on the fourth century, but uh, you've got this bookend, and there is a sense here in which uh, you describe that, you know, it, it puts a the positive twist on the end of all of the negative things that could have happened in the first century because yeah. describes the believers who eventually win the day. It's, yeah. uh, it's a bookend which ends on something that we can actually look forward to in hope. Yeah. And l- let, me, let me just clarify. I'm not saying uh, that John is without any problems. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Gospel of John is... is the best of the lot. That's my phone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to switch it off. I'll give you a moment to answer it in a second. Yeah. But, but if you think about this, the Gospel of John, I mean, or, let me just quote a couple of things. This is what John chapter 2, the wedding feast, the miracle. John's the only one that records that. Uh, John 3, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Only John records that. It's not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Only John records that. John chapter 4, the woman at the world. John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus. John chapter 13, the washing of the disciples. Are not recorded in any other gospel. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Hey, all scriptures given under the inspiration of God. I'm not trying to say anything else. I'm saying it's different. The synoptic gospels are written from a Hebrew point of view. John's gospel is written from a Greek. The words... John 14, 15, 16 are what's called the red letters. He records the words of Jesus, the last supper, the last prayer in the garden. John records that in entirety. Now, you think about this for a moment. Jesus comes along and, you know, and he says, can you stay awake for a while? They're all asleep. But he singles out Peter and he says, could you not stay awake even for an hour? Only John sees the importance of staying awake enough to record John 14, 15, 16 in entirety, the red letter. And uh, as I say there, I'm not trying to make out that he was better than anybody else, but there's a huge contrast between Peter and John. And this is what I believe. The difference is Peter operates by phileo love. John operates by agape love. He makes a statement, perfect love casts out fear. Well, the only problem is you and I are not capable of perfect love. So that lets us out. He's not talking about phileo love. He's talking about agape. Per, agape, perfect love casts out fear. And I believe what he's saying is if you get a revelation of how much God loves you, not based on how much you think you love God, but on how much he loves you, all that fear goes. Casts out all fear. Carl, let's come back to the book that you're talking about. Uh, really, you know, it's the Gospel of John and all the other writings that John had in the New Testament too. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear the book, uh, the Gospel of John, described as the Gospel of Belief. That's right. And uh, you're describing it uh, with that dimension in your book as a Gospel of Love. Yeah. But uh, belief is a part of that as well. Definitely. Well, um Interestingly, Matthew uses the, the word believe approximately seven. Okay, don't nail me to it because I don't have the facts in front of me, but approximately seven. 
Luke uses it about five times, Mark 7. John uses it 75 times, 10 times more than any other writer. So here, and I believe what he's trying to do is shift the focus from self, our, our ego, performance, back to Jesus alone, focusing on, this is the difference I see with John, his focus is entirely on, on Jesus, his love for John, not, not John's love, phileo love, but, but agape love, the Lord's love for us rather than basing ours on performance, our love for, for, for the Lord. We were talking about it before, talks about faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. And all of those stories that John tells through his gospel, and uh, you know, lots of listeners will know Jesus and the conversation he has with Nicodemus. Yeah. And uh, in the following chapter, in chapter four, you've got the conversation with the woman at the well, and these are conversations that lead into these uh, dimensions of love and what that really means. So when we're talking about unconditional love and what that means, uh, do, do you think we find in these stories, you've got the illustration, it's all very well to talk about definitions, but you've got the illustration of what that love looks like. Well, okay, let's take the Last Supper, okay, 24 hours before Jesus' crucifixion. And you can pick it up in John chapter 13. It says, when Jesus had said these, verse 21, and said these things, he was troubled in the spirit and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. There was leaning on Jesus' bosom. This is the place of honor. Uh, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's mentioned five times in Scripture. Five is the number of grace. And Simon Peter therefore motioned him to ask of whom he spoke. Now, you've seen Michelangelo's great painting, you yep. know, the Last Supper, and here's Jesus. John has his, is, is resting with his head on Jesus' breast. He's the only one that hears the heartbeat of God. Peter's up the other end of the table. Now, it's difficult to have a, a close relationship with somebody from a distance. He says, hey, hey, John, ask him. Ask him yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they even recognize the close affiliation that John has with the Lord. He's the, hey, I'm the disciple of whom Jesus loves. Even he, he recognizes that. And so, as I say, uh, you know, think about that. It's hard to have a relationship from a distance, but that's what Peter's trying to do. Um, I was going to mention before, you know, we were talking about in John what he's written. In John chapter 14, 15, 16, this is the Last Supper, uh, you know, the, the prayer in the, in the garden. But John records these things. John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Only John records that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't record that. John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I give unto you. John fifteen eleven, My joy might remain in you. John 16, I'll send the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you, show you things to come. John fifteen thirteen, Greater love has no man than this, than he laid in his life. Only John records those things. Now, is it because the others don't consider it important enough? Or, as I say, with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, it's more about parables. But John's is written from a Greek perspective, the actual words of Jesus. And if you look at John 14, 15, 16, all that, it's all red letters. 
All the words of Jesus. Yep. Yes. Well, 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation today, let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Newitt in Adelaide. Hi, Newitt. Welcome. Oh, hello, John. Uh, hello. Thank you so much. I love um, the book, of, um, um, the co-stinger as well, on oh, about the Jewish and about the light horseman as well. Yeah, that's lovely. When do we talk about Paul, uh, John today? Yeah. Um, my comment is um, I love the book of John. It's, um, it gives the full picture of Christ from eternity to eternity. Wonderful thought there, Newitt, uh, oh, because man. even, uh, even the opening verses in the Gospel of John are yeah. just a- absolutely incredible. It just passes right, right through to eternity straight away. And the love when John spoke, it's, it's, it's the love that would the self aside. It's the love that magnifies the suffering love of God. Love that laid down his life for his friends. Love that um, brings us into unity, not that self anymore. That to magnify, to, to, to tell the world, to let the world know that Christ is the Son of God. That's how, um, that's how we, we glorify um, and, and worship God. Newitt, wonderful thoughts. Well, Cole, yeah. what are your thoughts for Newitt? Hey, uh, it's um, great to say hello to you too, Newitt, and uh, thank you for the recommendations for my book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, I, I just think on John, you know, it's for me anyway, it's been a fresh revelation. All of a sudden I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, I've read John many, many times, but I'm just seeing it in an entirely different light. The disciple whom Jesus loved, and, and you know, he's got this revelation of how much God loves him. And I just think if we could actually get that in this day and age, if we could just get a revelation of how much God loves us, just as we are, unconditional love, yeah. unconditional yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. It's a love that um, he saw the Lord from. He wrote after he got the revelation. After he wrote the revelation, so he had a full picture. Of, um, of the journey on earth as well, the power uh, and, and the king of kings at the end time. And that's why it's so powerful. And I, I for devotion, I recite uh, by heart every day, uh, chapter 17, a big portion of chapter 1, and also the um, John, first John 1 as well. And that I just immersed myself in it. Knew it. Just wonderful to hear from you. And uh, John, certainly a favourite of yours in the Scriptures. Knew it in Adelaide. Thank you so much for your call. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Steve is in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Uh, Good day, Brother Neil and Brother Cole. Hello. How are you? God bless you both. And you. What are your thoughts here, Steve? Well, the reason I'm ringing is that uh, um, is any way that uh, the, the great works, the extraordinary works and awesome works of John could be in some way used to call for peace in, in the Balkans, you know, in Russia and the Ukraine. Um, there's very much lacking right now, in, even from His Holiness, uh, uh, the, the current Pope. You, you don't hear any calls for peace and reconciliation. 
and works to commence to bring an, an end to the horrible fighting and killing and some sort of reconciliation. And can I throw something else into the mix? And I was wondering if Brother Cole could explain it to me. First of all, of course, the, the, the awesome works of John, but a prayer it came from Fra St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. What's what's Brother Cole? Uh, what's your opinion on this? To bring about to to work and pray for peace and an end of the killing and fighting and atrocities going on in Russia. I hear that uh, the leader Putin is a Christian, but this killing is an enormous conflict with the um, um, well, well with the holy works of the Russian Church. The killing. You, you don't hear any of the world's great leaders calling for peace, like His Holiness the Pope. For example, Steve. I know John Paul II. You've got some good say. thoughts in here, and uh, just to pick up on Putin being a Christian, uh, that's perhaps a misnomer because uh, when you are a communist, usually your foundations are in atheism. So uh, there's certainly a big contradiction there for him to call himself a Christian if he does, and I don't think that he does. But, Steve, uh, let's get a thought or two. Cole, there's a number of dimensions that Steve's interested in talking about, but certainly uh, what's going on, uh, Russia and the invasion of Ukraine, all sorts of things like that. Your thoughts for Steve? Uh, well, I'm not a pacifist by any means, you know, but I'm just wondering, is this just part of what's going to be happening in the last days, the, the wind-up, you know? There are, the, the Scripture talks a lot about this, and I'm sure we should do everything we possibly can. But it seems to me that things are just heating up. And also, it's, it just shows where, where, where mankind really is. The uh, Bible talks about in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, you know? And so I, I, I sort of think that's... We're really where we're at. We, we need to be. I've got friends in Ukraine, uh, pastors there. You know, we're praying for them. But hey, it's going to have to be a, a, a genuine heart transformation with these people. It's not going to just stop because the United Nations or somebody else tells them to stop. Anyway, okay, Steve. Hopefully, that was a, a little hope for you there. In fact, you've got a section in your book, Cole, uh, around. Ukraine. You've got a friend in Ukraine yes. and the sorts of needs that they might have in a spiritual sense. So just give us your reflection there. Well, he was saying that they were taking food and things into, uh, you know, to the church in Ukraine. And uh, the Ukrainian pastor said, we don't need any more prophecies. He said, what we need is a revelation. He said, the actual uh, manifestation of Emmanuel. God is with us. The love of God. And see, I, I was going to mention this, but if you look at the difference between Peter and John, I mean, Peter struggles all of the before Pentecost, up and down. It's like a yo-yo, up and down. But John's is not. It's natural. It's effortless. It's uncomplicated. You know, it's a natural thing with him. So one's operating out of phileo love. You know, I got to prove myself. I got to do more. I got to pray more. I got. But John is just basking in the, the love of God. Uh, you know, li listen to this in John chapter 17. You know, they're all asleep except John. And uh, Jesus comes and he says to them in verse 21, uh, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, 
that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, uh, that the, the world may believe that you sent me. You know, he says here, uh, verse 23, and you have sent me and loved them as you love me. Here's a revelation. You know, God loves you the same as he loves Jesus. Now, that'll jerk the slack out of you real quick. If you've got a religious spirit, it's about to manifest now. But he actually loves us. It says here that you have loved them as you've loved me. And if we could just get that revelation, it makes so much difference. You know, I, I, this is what I'm finding. Anyway, phileo love will fail you in a crisis. It, it's, you know, but agape love, it never fails. Uncomplicated, you know, unconditional Man, the more and you know, the only thing that's going to get us through a crisis is a revelation of how much God loves us. You know, and think about this: John serves him all of his life, from he meets the Lord when he's a teenager, and I believe he's a hundred and three at least when he dies. So it takes him through the cross, arrest, boiling in oil, banishing to Patmos. Think, you know, all of these things. At the end of his life, he's a, let's just say he's 103 years old. He's in Ephesus. He's an old man and he comes into the church and they recognize him. Now you imagine this is the only, this is the living apostle, the only man that has actually walked with, that's why he writes in First John, he says, anybody that says that, you know, Jesus never come in the flesh is a liar. I, I handled the word of truth, you know. So he gets up and you imagine now, you know, in this day and age, if you uh, you write a book and you you got you put all the things under Doctor Divinity, more degrees than a thermometer, and everything else. You know, and I've done this and I've done that. You imagine what sort of things that John could put down. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. The last man at the cross, the first man at the tomb. We're under the tomb. I outrun Peter. Think of you know commissioned to take care of Jesus' mother for the rest of her life. I get chosen to write. He writes none of that. He says I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And it shows humility. Scripture says God resists the proud, Peter, but gives more grace to the humble. There's a revelation for us today. So he comes up. Now you imagine what the people are expecting that he's going to say. Deep words of wisdom. And he walks up and he says, love one another and sits down. They're going, what? Well, come back. You must be more. There's revelation. Come on back. They struggles up again, gets the microphone. That's a bit loose anyway. Stands up and he says, love one another. The third time they ask him, he says, love, love one another. And they say, well, why would you just, why would you say that? And he says, because that's the commission. That's the only command that our Lord gave us in the New Testament. And if we did that, everything else would fall into place. Love one another. And when we talk words like love today, you're describing here, Cole, the profound nature of something that we take for granted, the profound nature of something that we think we know the definition of, and uh, we think, oh, that's simple. We know what love is. Well, uh, to take a little time to reflect more deeply on what that means, you need the support of the stories that you read in, say, the Gospel of John. Well, you might even extend that to what you're reading through the Bible overall because you're discovering the God who is love. But love is profound. It's not something that's super simple. Well, but with that love comes the grace of God. God resists the proud but gives more grace to the humble. Let, let me read you this quote. I love this. And 
This is from somebody who's got a little small church called Joseph Prince, you know, just 35,000 people. And he writes in his book, 100 Days of Favour, We're all God's favourites, but John knew the secret of accessing Jesus' unmerited favour for himself through agape love. It's your prerogative to see yourself as the, as the disciple whom Jesus loves, to call yourself that. And when I started to teach the secret of John's favour lay in his personalization of God's love for him, the people in my church literally stepped into a new dimension of experiencing God's unmerited favour in their own lives. So a fresh look at the Gospel of John, if you were picking that up today to read through the Gospel, and it's not that long, you can do that in a a single setting quite easily. If you're picking it up and looking for all the words of love in this Gospel, this is something that is transformative because he is, in fact, the walking, talking transformation that happens with this exposure to the love of Jesus and understanding this unconditional agape love. So a fresh look today, Cole, would that be a challenge you could give to listeners? Well, okay, for God so loved the world. We seem to just gloss over that. And not just the church, the world. Now you imagine if we actually went out and began to teach that. I mean, my goodness, when I first got saved, I thought of all the things. Now, put your stones down, okay. But what I had to do, you know, when I got saved, I had to be water baptized. And I had to, anyway, all the things I had to do. That's, that's religion. Remember when Paul's in jail and the earthquake hits? And the jailer comes running up and he thinks they've all got out, so he's going to kill himself. He's going to, and Paul says, no, 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 stop. We're still here. So the jailer, an unbeliever at the stage, says, what do I have to do to be saved? John doesn't, uh, Paul doesn't go, here's the list. He says, believe. And read it. Now, if that's not true, he just sent that whole family to hell. He said, believe. And you and your family will be saved. John majors on this 75 times, 10 times more than the other gospel writers. He talks about belief. He talks about the uncomplicated, the natural, the unconditional love of God. For God is love. Let me read this one to you one more time. I love it. My beloved friends from 1 John chapter 4, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God, experiences a relationship with God. But the person who refuses to love, agape love, doesn't know the first thing about God. Now, that, that'll jerk the slack out of you. You're telling me I can be a, a preacher, a pastor? Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you what the Word says. Because God is love, and so you can't know Him if you don't know love. There's one more passage that I'd love to read to you if I can, here at the, um, in First John. Let me just quickly get it. Mm-hmm. First John, I meant I should have... Got it up here before, but anyway, give me a moment to turn my pages over. And he talks about. <clears throat> While you're finding that, of course, uh, it was John who said, A new command I give to you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said, uh, That's in John chapter 13. Have you found that yep. passage? First John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Not that we're basing our lives on how much we love God, but a revelation of how much he loved us. He says, and sent his son to be the propitiation of of our sins. Verse 8, he does not love, does not know God, for God is love. I love there's a a passage also, if I can find it, here in 
at first John chapter three, again John writes verse one: "Behold, what manner of love has the Father bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God?" Read that in the modern translation. He's going, "Wow, superlatives! You know, wow, what this is at the end of his life." Like I, I think I said before, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written 16, eighteen months after Jesus' death. John's gospel was written 65 years later. From off the top of his head, 65 years later. That's in it. has to be God alone. He says, Wow, what manner of love, what superlative is that this love that God has lavished on us. I love that word lavished. What manner of love, what type of love, what superlative is this love that God has lavished on us? Can I just say one more thing? Probably the vast majority of people I minister tell me they don't feel worthy of God's love. I'm talking Christians in the church. The vast majority, maybe 80%. Well, you'll never be worthy of God's love. That's why you need a revelation. It's unconditional. Hmm. And John is the only one of the apostles, I believe, that has a revelation of that. Well, listeners can hear a preacher's heartbeat in the sorts of things we've been talking about over this hour Cole Stringer and his new book, it's called John from the Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love. And yes, you can get a hold of it uh, through Vision. Just go to the Vision website, www.vision.org.au. You'll find a link there for the Vision store and you'll be able to get a hold of this, uh, Cole's latest book. Look, he's written a whole bunch of books. I mentioned he's written 40 books. Uh, You can find a lot of other books too in Vision store, On Eagle's Wings, 800 Horsemen, Australia's Christian Heritage, Fighting Mackenzie, vision.org.au to get a hold of Cole's latest book, John from the Son of Thunder to the Apostle of Love. Cole Stringer, Always a pleasure having you in the studio. Thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.